This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. Offensive line issues being a problem last year. I'm really impressed with the way Carolina Hurricanes have looked. But LA is, uh, the LA Clippers are falling off and they need to figure it out. And here's your host, David Marr. Welcome in episode 18 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. David Marr alongside Andrew Spisano as we get set to recap some of the first halves of hockey, basketball. But um, free agency of the NFL is underway. Some franchise tags were uh, thrown out yes, uh, today with uh, Allen Robinson being tagged in Chicago, Leonard Williams being tagged uh, with the Giants. Um, the Patriots acquired Trent Bound from the Raiders. I think it's a good pickup with offensive line issues being a problem last year. Uh, but some of the free agent signings were significant. And let's start in the AFC with Ben Roethlisberger being signed by the Steelers. Um, Andrew, the Steelers last year were 11-0, and then injuries piled up. Roethlisberger was not as sharp as he could have been. Um, and the Steelers were a first-round exit at the hands of the Cleveland Browns. So what do you? what is your take on – uh, Big Ben coming back to Pittsburgh at least for one more season. Um, to be honest, I don't really like it. Um, you know, I didn't think Ben looked great last year, despite that incredible start the Steelers had. Um, obviously, he did throw for 500 yards in the playoffs, but he also turned the ball over a significant amount of times. And towards the end of the year, he just didn't really look like – he just didn't look mobile and – you know, Pittsburgh's offensive line is a little suspect. So I, I really don't – I don't love the move, but we'll see what happens in Pittsburgh. Well, it's interesting because you have Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph um, in Pittsburgh as well as Big Ben. So maybe it's an opportunity for Roethlisberger to maybe give Haskins the – you know, all the breakdowns of being a quarterback because Haskins was not um, – good in Washington with um, the way that he played. Um, so maybe it's all about um, Big Ben um, giving him the jump start, or it is Ben just being Ben, and Ben will be the starter, at least for one more season with the Steelers. But you're right. they Their run game was not great. Their offensive line was, was not as good as it could have been. Um, and their defense just got too injured. And the fact that they are sending Bud Dupree to free agency is a little bit – shocking because I would have thought in reverse order, you don't tag Ben for, or you don't sign him for one more season. You go with Dupree and add that defense. Instead, he's walking away and you bring big Ben back. So that's what frustrates me is that you have, you know, you can find another quarterback in the draft or some of the guys that you've just signed in the off season and exactly. lock up one of your, yeah, well, lock up one of your best defensive players. And, and they didn't do that and went the other direction. So it's a little confusing and, the AFC North, I feel like, is the more physical division in the AFC. You have the Ravens being a very physical team. The Browns were very physical last year with the way they ran football and their defense. Pittsburgh was has been a physical team for a while now. And then last year, it wasn't there. So they need help on the offensive line and, and in their run game. So interesting uh, decision in Pittsburgh. But the other side for the NFC, um, the Cowboys – I just I found this out a while ago, by the way. Uh, Dak Prescott – um, 
has agreed to a four-year, $160 million deal. Keeps him in Jerry's that. world. Um, keeps him in Jerry's world in Dallas for at least four more seasons. Um, what's your reaction to Dak being actually signed by the Cowboys uh, for the first time in his career and staying in Dallas for another four years? You know, good for Dak. You know, obviously he had that terrible injury against the Giants last year, but up until yeah, that, he was looking like one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, he was really dominating on – both ends he was running the ball well but his throws were great he's really working well with that receivers core dallas dallas's offense really missed him they they run through him he's really shown he's the guy there and i'm just hoping for his sake that he bounces back well from that gruesome injury and good for him that he got paid because he definitely earned it the past few seasons he's really looked good yeah i'm excited to see dak and his comeback to the NFL after that injury. Um, the, the Cowboys, their problems weren't with Dak. I think it was just much like Pittsburgh, offensive line was banged up. Defense was just as bad. Um, but Dak Prescott's a fantastic quarterback. He, he's a dual threat guy, um, can run with the ball in his hands, does so many things in the RPOs. And he's got some great receivers. If they can help that offensive line, you know, Dallas, we don't know who the best team in the NFC East is based off of last year. I would, I would peg the Giants because of what they were able to do at the end of the season. But, um, you know, the Cowboys, if they get help on their O-line, you know, and Dak bounces back, um, this game could be a division tender and it could set Dak up for comeback player of the season uh, for next year. So it's good to see Dak Prescott being signed. And what he does off the field is just as good as what he does on the field. Speaking on about um, mental health issues, um, you know, he, he's such a great, not only a great player on the field, but he's a great person and a great human being. So it's good to see that uh, Jerry finally worked up the nerve to pay this guy. So, um, so free agency will get started in the NFL, but let's start with the first half of the NHL season. And we're still learning a lot because the Canadian division um, is a little bit inconsistent right now with the way that Montreal just blew that game in Vancouver last night. Uh, the Canucks have now played 29 games, most in the NHL. But let's start in the East division. And let's start with the Bruins. Um, they're now dealing with some off-the-ice issues with Jake DeBrusque, who I think is one of their best players off the ice. Um, and they're going to sit him for um, today's game against the New York Islanders. Big game for the Bruins because they're sitting in, I believe, third place in the East Division, uh, four, five points behind New York. Um, and they really had a devastating loss on uh, Saturday to the Devils, one nothing the final score. Um so, Andrew, what's the takeaway for the Bruins? Because they, they really need some help if they're going to make a, a serious playoff run. You know, we're starting to see some of their inconsistencies, especially on um, on defense. You know, obviously those games against the Islanders and Rangers we talked about last week. But they've really struggled this year against beating up on some of the bad teams, especially New Jersey. New Jersey, I think, is undefeated against the Bruins this year. Um and that was a big win for them the other day. You know, the Bruins are going to have to – the Bruins need to win those games if they're going to be one of those top seeds because the Islanders are really on fire right now. That's going to be a big game today for them. Yeah, and, and the Devils, I just looked at their record. They have acquired seven of eight points against the Bruins. They lost one game in overtime, and then they have won every single game since then. So the okay. Bruins – um, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it's over overtime loss is still a point. Um, so that's seven of eight points. The Bruins failed to acquire against the New Jersey devils who are second, um, 
who are second to last in the division. And they are, they are not a good offensive team. And the Bruins, you know, they could be competing against Washington and Philadelphia and beat those teams. But when you have to play down to the competition, you have to show up and play your game. And um, no Jake DeBrus is going to be huge because he's a guy that likes to bring speed. He's not playing well. They decided to sit him. So we'll see how that um, gels for the Bruins in the near future. But you're right. Big game tonight against the Islanders at 7 o'clock. Um on Long Island. And that's a um, interesting series for the Bruins because if, if they don't win these next couple of games, they are in some serious trouble. And then they got the Rangers on uh, Thursday night. So uh, in the other series that took place this weekend, um, the Lightning and the Blackhawks, some good hockey for a while. The Blackhawks and the Bolts was a lot different than it was at the beginning of the season. It was a back and forth. It was high scoring, but the Blackhawks had two good, decent leads and blew them both and lost. Um, you lost two games to Tampa Bay. So what's the takeaway from the Blackhawks lightning series? Um, you know, the Blackhawks are definitely uh, an interesting team. They took that, they won Friday in the shootout. That was, that was big for them. But mm-hmm. Sunday we were watching the game and they just couldn't stop Tampa Bay. Um, especially in the third period, they were getting a lot of odd man rushes. Um, my takeaway for the Blackhawks is that they're good. They're definitely improved from last year but they still have some inconsistencies, especially on defense that they need to work on and overcome. And, you know, as for Tampa, um, you know, taking two out of three in that series is, is solid um, or two of the last three, um, you know, they went to overtime the first one. So they, they the Blackhawks gave them some tough games. The first two were tough games, but I still really like Tampa Bay's team. And I think, I think this is their division to win right now. Yeah, especially with them being able to beat Carolina, and then we'll see them soon against Florida. The Panthers now a little bit struggling after dropping on a, a game on Sunday against Carolina. Um, but the Blackhawks, it's you're right. It's definitely been a turnaround because we, I watched those first four games, and it looked like this team was doomed for another, you know, six, seven, eight division spot finish. Um, and it just wasn't going well. Their goaltending was a complete issue, defense, and they've really turned it around. I, I thought they gave the, the Bolts an interesting series, and I thought it was a measuring stick to see how the Black, how far the, the Blackhawks came from being that team that got absolutely destroyed by Tampa the first two games of the season, turned it around, played better, and they had a 3 nothing lead in the, in the second period of, of that game on, on Sunday. And Tampa Bay um, – converted four power play goals. Um, Yanni Gord had two, uh, two goals in that game. Um, he, I think, had four points in that win for Tampa Bay. Um, but the Blackhawks' defense is in trouble. They really need – but it's good. It's a good improvement. You know, the Blackhawks are a, a team that I think could be a, a playoff contender. But if they play against the Bolts in the first round, that, that's an easy exit. I, you know, it's not going to be like Columbus and Tampa back in 2019. Um you know, I, just, I just don't trust the Blackhawks' defense. I don't trust their penalty kill either, the way they give up four power play goals on on uh, five penalty kills. So, um, you know, the Blackhawks' road from here is a little interesting. They go to Dallas tonight to take on the Stars. Then they will go uh, to Florida, um, and then they'll play Tampa in a couple of – in about a week or so. So that's uh, some big games for the Blackhawks down the road to see if they're one of the better Central Division teams. The other Central Division matchup that I mentioned – uh, the Panthers Hurricanes game on Sunday, where the Panthers just couldn't complete the comeback. The, the Hurricanes started out fast, 
continues to dominate against his former team. He scored in every game against the Panthers this season, and the Panthers fell short of a comeback. What's the takeaway from the the Hurricanes' impressive win against uh, the Panthers? You know, the takeaway is that Carolina's on fire. They've won five straight, seven of their last ten. You know, the Panthers really struggled against Carolina these past, on Sunday, especially in the beginning. But, you know, towards the end, we were hoping they would come. We were watching the game together. We were hoping they would come back, but it just – it was just too, too much to overcome. You know, Carolina, my takeaway, they're just fast. And, you know, they've got – Sebastianikov's a great player. They got um, Sebastian Aho, and Vinny Trocek's been an incredible, incredible pickup for them. I think he is thirteen. He's thirteen goals, and actually leads their team in points. Um, Jordan Stahl's also had a big comeback season, and Martin Nakos, the young the young kid, has eighteen points. He's really playing well as late. Um, I'm really impressed with the way the Carolina Hurricanes have looked and you know for the as for the Florida Panthers you know I still I still think they're great you know we've been talking about them all year I love that Huberto and Barkov line Patrick Hornquist has been great for Hagee you know the problem for them is their power play with Keith Yandel we've been we talked about it a lot on Sunday Yandel has not done a great job facilitating that power play especially of late and I think the Panthers are just lacking depth at the left defenseman spot. I think that's the one flaw I see with them. But offensively, they're deep. I think it's really going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in the Central, especially in some of the playoff matchups we might see. I kind of expected the Panthers to fall flat against Carolina after the way they played against Nashville. On Saturday, they, they put up six goals. Noah Chari got a hat trick. That's what I'm seeing from this team. There's a lot depth scoring uh mason mason marchment um who's been playing great they moved him up to the first line he's been playing fantastic he scored his first goal i believe on march 4th which was uh last thursday um in that win for florida so the panthers are getting better um offensively but defensively they're lacking and, and you could see it with keith yandel um anton strawman's been a little inconsistent radko gudis is just too physical um they lack and it's just it's something that they're going to struggle with but again it's a long road trip it's going to conclude with these two games in Columbus starting tonight um and the Jackets I feel are a little inconsistent themselves um they got absolutely shut out by Dallas who I think is bad at this point um so it's a good opportunity for the Panthers to bounce back but I will say um I was going to think uh oh shoot uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, I think he's been playing a lot better. I think everybody gives him so much hate on on Bobrovsky. He gives up too many goals. He's inconsistent. He doesn't pay. He doesn't play like he's getting paid ten million dollars. But those two games in Nashville, I thought he played very well. I, you know, he played a good game on on uh, Thursday. You know, some of those goals were not his fault. They were just good plays by Nashville and just a lack of defensive effort. And then on on um, on Saturday, the Panthers picked it up. I thought their defense played better. Bobrovsky had a great game. Um, first 10 minutes looked a little dicey with Nashville being all over them early. And then the Panthers figured them out. Um, and then Drieger got the start on, on Saturday and got no help. So uh, fascinating series in Columbus for the Panthers trying to bounce back. They're still two points behind Tampa in the division. So it's not like they're out of it. It's just that they need to figure out defensively what they can do to fix their issues. And um, 
you know, they're three points out of Chicago. So they've got, and there's still two games in hand with them and the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. So that gives them some extra depth in the, in the schedule. Um, so the central division is interesting. Another division I would say is the West. Um, Minnesota and Vegas played last week. The Knights dominated. And then yesterday, um, the Knights couldn't score. They were a little injured on offense. And um, Kakinen, the Minnesota goaltender uh, for the Wild, picked up his first career shutout as the Wild uh, took down the Knights 2-0 last night. That's a game that was a little underrated because of the way that Minnesota played those first two games against Vegas. Um, but I got to give a lot of credit. Minnesota's a, a, a sleepy team in the West, you know, um, they've been playing better offensively. We talked about this last week with uh, Parise playing well and a lot of their uh, younger players starting to uh, play better. Um, and, you know, they've looked like a lot, a lot better team. They just have to find some consistency. And, um, but what's the takeaway for you, Andrew, the wild shutout uh, against uh, Vegas uh, yesterday? You know, the takeaway for me from Minnesota is it's not so much that they're the flashiest offensive team in the league, but they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. They've only allowed 60 goals this year. And last night we saw it on full display. The defense looked incredible. And, you know, obviously Kakinen with his first career shutout is big for them. He's done a good job for Minnesota. Um, You know, I like the way they've been playing and, you know, if they can keep playing like this, they're kind of like, they're kind of like the Knicks of hockey. You know, they're playing great defense. They're not a fabulous offensive team, but they've got some – they have good chemistry on that team. You know, you're seeing it from Jordan Greenway, Kaprasov, the rookie. Um, Zuccarello's done a good job. Obviously, Zach Parise is great. Um, you know, I really like the way that they've looked, especially defensively, and that was a big win for them over Vegas. Minnesota's a legit team that – I wouldn't want to play come playoff time. 14, eight and one. It's a, a good record for Minnesota third in the West. So that gives them some, some breathing room, but they are separated by only three points between Colorado, Arizona, and Los Angeles for that number three spot. And uh, Colorado and Arizona played last night and the, and the Coyotes uh, took the game three to two and they'll play again tomorrow night. So the West is, is going to shake up a lot. It feels like the last, um, you know, the, the the four through ten seeds of the NBA's Eastern Conference, it feels like, with those seedings being so tightly packed and one win or one loss could change everything. So that's that's an it's a good win for Minnesota, and it's interesting to see if they can follow it up and beat Vegas tomorrow night. Uh, big game for – it's gonna. I think it's the national game too on a Wednesday night hockey between the uh, Knights and the Wild, and it is at 7 o'clock. So that would be a fascinating game. Uh, all right, so let's wrap it up the speed round here. Um the Colorado Avalanche have just lost to Arizona. They've lost two in a row. Should we be concerned about the Avalanche's uh, slump in the last couple of days? Um, I'm not going to – I'm not really too concerned about it. I still really like the talent on Colorado, and they're still not very far behind Minnesota. Just They're just a point behind Minnesota. They're four points behind St. Louis, five behind Vegas. You know, that – that division's really clumped, like you were saying, kind of like the East um, and the NBA. Um, no, I, re- I really like the talent on Colorado. And, you know, it's going to be important that they bounce back tomorrow against the Coyotes. That's a game they really have to win. And I think they will. I think they're going to show up. 
you know, I really love Miko Rantanen's having a great year, McKinnon, um, Landeskog, then defensively, Kale McCarr and Gerard have been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I'm not too worried about the Avalanche. I think Grubauer's also played well this year. I think they're going to pick it up. I believe their offense. I'm not a believer in their defense. They're, they're sixth in goals allowed. Um, they're first in shots allowed. So their defense has not been playing um, to the standard that I think it could be. I mean, they, they're a good offensive team, but defensively they need to find some stride. And, and it's going to be, um, you know, interesting to see if they bounce back. They just need to find some defense to go along with that offense. But the flip side of that, um, Arizona, they've won three of their last four. Could the Coyotes make a uh, run for a playoff spot in the West? You know, looking at the Coyotes, I really like the way they've been playing, but I just don't like them over the four teams ahead of them. I do think that they could give teams like if Colorado continues to slide, they could give them problems and scare them a little bit. Um, I do like the way – you know, Garland's having a great year. Clayton Keller, Bill Kessel's been good for them. And defensively, I like OEL. Osterley's been solid. Um, and then in net, they've got Darcy Cumper and Antti Ranta, who've been okay. But I still like the four teams ahead of them. Yeah, I would. Agree. I think that they are – it could make a run, but it's only if um, one of those top four teams – um, falls apart and the one team I could probably see falling apart is Minnesota because of um, their their youth and their um, lack of offensive creativity um, despite the fact that you know they're they're playing much better it'll be interesting to see if if, if they're the team that slides or you're right if, if Colorado continues to slide um, the current Leafs uh, most valuable player through the first half of the season Oh, that's a good one because they've got a lot of really talented players on that team. You know, Mitch Marner's having a great year, but I'm going to go with Austin Matthews, you know, 18 goals. He's just a dominant force. You know, he puts the puck in the net a lot. He's got 31 points in 23 games. He's actually played three less games than Mitch Marner, who leads their team in points with 34. Um, but I got to go with Matthews. He's fantastic. I was going to say Mitch Marner because I think that he's an uh, underrated talent. He's, he's a good playmaker being on that line with Austin Matthews um, has really helped him. Uh, and he's been, he's been a good, he's been a good player for Toronto setting everything up. And, uh, but the Leafs right now they've lost two in a row. So big game tonight against uh, the jets on uh, a battle of, I believe the two top teams in the Canadian division. Um, so that'll be a, a or top two out of the three teams, two top three teams uh, going at it um, between the Jets and the Leafs tonight. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, how concerned should we be about them after losing um, two of their la uh, three of their last five games and after losing in a shootout to the Vancouver Canucks last night? You know what? One Something that's interesting about the Montreal Canadiens is they've actually, in their last 10 games, they've lost five games in either overtime or a shootout. So they've been, they've been picking up points, but we've talked about it before. You know, I'm still a little concerned about Montreal because they don't really have a fantastic offense. You know, they don't have that one reliable guy. You know, they're getting – you know, Toffoli has 15 goals, but he only has six assists. And then Brand, 
Gallagher's been okay. Um, he has 10 goals. Josh Anderson had a great start, but he's been struggling recently. Um, defensively, Jeff Petrie's been their best player by far. He's got 23 points and nine goals. But, you know, I just – I'm not loving Montreal. You know, Carey Price, he's been pretty good this year, but not not amongst the best goalies in the league with some of the numbers we're seeing getting put up. Um I just I don't love Montreal this right now. There's not enough offense. Yeah, they're they're really in trouble. They could be. There's too many um, distractions with uh, the coaching carousel going around. Um, after Julian got fired, their goaltending coach got fired mid game of uh, a game a couple of nights ago. Um, there is there's a lot of distractions right now in Montreal, and they have to figure it out because they sit three points ahead of Vancouver and four points ahead of Calgary, who are starting to pick it up and, and get better. And especially Vancouver after they've won three in a row now. So, um, you know, Vancouver could catch them if, 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 if the Canadians don't figure it out. Um, but if you're right, they continue to steal points and get points, but they give that extra point away um, in the extra frame. So that's not going to help them down the road. They have to figure out a way to, to close the door and step on the other guy's throat when the game is in tight. Um, all right. Lastly, the team that could fall out of the playoff picture in the East division would be. That is a tough one because there's a lot of teams. I mean, we're not going to include the bottom two, New Jersey and Buffalo. Cause I, don't, I wouldn't say no. they're in it. Um, you, want me to start, you want me to start? I would have said Philly. Yeah. I, I think Philadelphia elaborate on Philly a little bit. Yeah. Philadelphia. They've lost three of their last four. They've beaten, they've dominated Buffalo, and then they they looked like they were gonna sneak that game, that win against Pittsburgh the other night. And then since then, they have completely fallen apart. They sit in fifth place, and I don't know if if the Rangers starting to make a run. They've been playing much better. Um, The Flyers, they're in trouble. Uh, You know, I'm not liking their offense. I like their defense, but special teams has not been their strong suit. And Carter Hart, I I thought he was a top ten goalie entering this season. I said that this team would be the best team in the East division because of, well, a, because the Bruins were going to struggle on defense, but because Carter Hart had a fantastic postseason and he is not followed up. And I think that the, if the flyers do not pick it up, they're going to be out of the playoff picture instead of being the best team in the, in the East that was last year. Yeah. The flyers are definitely very inconsistent. The Rangers have actually played them tough, but um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, They're a team that, you know, as a Rangers fan, it's hard to say that because they the Penguins have beaten up on us this year. Yeah, that was but, a hard pill to swallow on Sunday night. But, yeah, it's important that the Rangers bounce back tonight and beat them. But um, I don't love the goaltending situation in Pittsburgh. You know, DeSmith's been okay, but he hasn't played as much as Jari. And Jari's allowed over three goals a game. Um, I also don't love Pittsburgh's defense. Um they're also not getting fantastic numbers from their big guys. You know, they're just getting – I mean, Crosby is 22 points. Gensel is 21. I know Malkin was off to a terrible start. He's up to 18, but he is a minus six, plus minus. Um, you know, I just don't – I just don't love Pittsburgh's defense or their goaltending situation. And I think they're, they're one team that I think could fall off in the East outside of Philadelphia. I like, that was a good one. You mentioned with Philly, you know, they've really, yeah, been I think that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we're interested to see if the Bruins are able to pick up, you know, be able to figure this out. 
um, if they don't fall off the, the, uh, off the cliff, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Philadelphia is in, in a lot of trouble. So that's NHL. So let's kick over to NBA and the first half of the season's over. Um, season starts again tomorrow with some good games. So let's, um, let's dive into some of the games that happened beforehand. And we'll start with, I think the, the most impressive win of the day um, for the Boston Celtics, the comeback against Toronto to send them in the right direction, supposedly um, after, you know, they were down big early and then they, they come back in the third quarter and finish the job. Uh, the big takeaway for the Celtics being able to close out the first half of the season uh, with four straight wins, especially that comeback on Thursday night. I'm a believer again. You know, I told you last week they had the win against L.A. They beat L.A. And then I wanted to see them beat Toronto, who's been hot, and they beat Toronto. I'm really impressed with the way the Celtics closed out the first half. And obviously we had, we've had big doubts about them all year because they've been very inconsistent. They had the COVID issues. We weren't seeing consistency out of some of their studs, especially their defense has been atrocious. For, for at least during that stretch where they were losing the bad teams, you know, they were really struggling defensively. Um, but I'm impressed. Jason Tatum's on a roll. He had 27 that he had 27, 12, and five in that one over the Raptors. Jalen Brown had 21, 7, and 4. Kemba Walker had 15 points. Tristan Thompson did a good job. Then the bench really impressed me. They had four double digit scorers off the bench. Um, you know, that's really impressive. I really liked the way Grant Williams went seven for nine with three, three, three pointers in that game. He had 17 points, you know, Celtics are back, baby. That's all I got to say, especially you've got to be happy about that. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I wasn't tuning into that game that they're on Thursday night, but I thought, um, that big win against, um, the, the Clippers, um, on, uh, March 2nd after beating Indiana, coming back to beat Washington. Um, that made me believe. I was like, if they don't beat the Sixers, I don't believe. But they won. They won against Toronto, the comeback. Um, I just hope that they can follow up because the game out of the gate is, is Brooklyn on Thursday night, and that is a, that is a tough game for the Celtics. Um, but you're right. They're, they're back. I feel confident. I think Jason Tatum is playing well. I think that's the, uh, that's the road to the – Hopefully that will be the that will be able to jumpstart them and get them going for the, the second half of the season. So um, let's talk about the Knicks for a second. They beat Detroit to end the uh, first half of the regular season. Um, they've won four of their last five going into the break. How confident are you as a Knicks fan that they could be a playoff team? You know, I love the way they've been playing, um, especially defensively. You know, they're one, I think they're the second best defensive team in the league, and they actually lead the league in points allowed. They're the number one team in that regard. And, you know, I really like the chemistry on that offense. Julius Randle has established himself as a perennial superstar, especially this year. Now, he's almost averaging 24 points a game. Um, I think he's averaging, he's averaging just over 11 rebounds and five and a half assists. You know, he's been great. R.J. Barrett has been on a hot run. He's averaging almost 20 over his last 10 games. Alfred Payton played well in that win over Detroit with D-Rose being out due to COVID protocol. Emmanuel quickly has been phenomenal. I really like Alec Burks as a three-point guy off the bench. Reggie Bullock's been hitting his threes as well. And even they've started using Frank Nilakino a little bit, and he's looked solid. 
he had a big game against Detroit where he hit. I, I know he started the game off with three straight three pointers. And Mitchell Robinson's going to be back soon, which is going to be another plus for that defense. And you really got to credit the job Nerlens Noel has done defensively. You know, he's been great filling in for Mitch while Mitch has been out with a fractured hand, but getting him back is going to be huge. I'm excited for the Knicks going into the second half. I think that they're going to be a, a good defensive team if they could find some groove in their offense. I think that will get them going. But, yeah, I'm impressed. I think that they're they're a good team. I think they're well-balanced. I think that they are, um, again, right out of the gate is Milwaukee. So not like the Celtics have an um, easy start either. The Knicks play the, uh, the Bucks out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that bunched East, you know, you never know. You really hope that if you're a Knicks fan that the Celtics, you know, fall off a cliff again, you get that number four spot. Or if you really want to, you really hope that Milwaukee falls off and you start to get that number four spot if Milwaukee falls out. So the, the team I don't think is going to fall out is Brooklyn because they just made another – uh, another move and got Blake Griffin and um, a lot of people saying like the season's over, the Nets just won it. And there's a part of me that says, I hope that this keeps going because it will jumpstart the conversation for me to say they're a first round exit with everybody talking NBA finals for this team. But um, the reaction to Blake, Blake Griffin getting acquired by the Brooklyn Nets um, during the all-star game, as a matter of fact, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, you look at their, they could have a potential starting five of, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. If this was five years ago, I couldn't see how that team would lose a game. But the problem with the Nets is they still – I don't love their depth um, outside of that five. And if one or two of those guys gets injured, they could be in serious trouble. Um, But, look, they've just – James Harden's really stepped up since he's gone over there. You know, he's played great. Kyrie Irving's having a great year. You can't deny it. Kevin Durant has been an MVP contender, even though he's been out for – he's missed a lot of games, so I think that's going to hurt him. But I really think that this move just is really crazy for the Nets. You know, they've got a lot of big names – but that puts a lot of pressure on them because if they lose in the playoffs, they're never going to really hear the happens. end. They're never going to hear the end of it, especially in a Knicks town. It's still a Knicks town, by the way. There's yes, it is. always going to be more Knicks fans than Nets fans in New York. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would just love it if the Knicks and the Nets matched up. Imagine if the Knicks even won a game against the Nets in the playoffs with that roster, you know. They never hear the end of it. Um, a lot of pressure on the Nets now to win with that roster, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of the year. They're playing great basketball right now. I can't deny it. No, and and I honestly hope that all again, like I said earlier, I hope all this talk about them winning the NBA Finals goes right to their heads and they they lose in the first round because that would be awesome. But I don't think it will happen. The, there's too much depth, um, but. Injuries could be a problem. You, you wonder if a guy like Harden or Kyrie or Durant kind of gets hurt and it, you know, the injuries start to pile up and then what's left, you know, that has happened before and it, it, it hurts your team. So you, you really hope if you're Brooklyn, you get all these great talent, but if one of them goes down and you've got to elaborate on the fly, you know, it's going to be a problem. But honestly, this, this is probably the best team in the NBA at this point. I saw Best team in the Eastern Conference because I still think Utah's the best team. They finished the regular season with only um, with less than ten wins. Only team to do that this uh, this season, 
uh, which is an impressive feat for Utah. Um, but in an Eastern Conference where, you know, anything can go one way or the other, um, the Brooklyn Nets have to make sure they stay healthy. They have to make sure they're playing great. And um, they have to hope that uh, they can beat Philadelphia because Philadelphia is still the best team in the East after uh, the first half of the season. They finished up with an impressive win against Utah, um, beating the Jazz, winning two in a row to end the uh, first half of the season. They've won four of their last five. Um, six of their last, I believe, eight games of the season um, with some impressive wins too. So could the Sixers be better than Brooklyn because of, um, you know, the way that they're so balanced? I definitely think the Sixers would give the Nets a really tough series. Um, You know, I think the Sixers have a lot more depth and I think they play much better defense than the Nets. So it's going to be, I do think that those games would be shootouts though. I think it'd be a high-scoring series. That would be a really fun series. You know, Joel Embiid, he's averaging over 30 points a game and almost 12 rebounds. You know, he's. I think he's the favorite right now to win the MVP. Tobias Harris having a great year. Ben Simmons, Shake Milton, and Seth Curry have been phenomenal, um, especially shooting the ball. Danny Green's been solid. Tyrese Maxey, the rookie, has been pretty good. You know, I really like um, – I really like the Sixers roster in a series against the Nets, but I still, I think I would take the Nets in six or seven just because they yeah. have so much offense. I think that, um, you know, Philadelphia could be the best team in the East. Again, injuries could shake up everything. Uh, and Bede and Simmons had to sit out of the all-star game because of COVID protocols. They didn't test positive, um, but a barber that they went to recently got it. So they wanted to be isolated in a way with the team um, for the all-star game. There are they do start out of the gate with some easy competition at Chicago, at Washington, and then the home schedule kind of gets interesting because they play um, San Antonio, the Knicks, and the Bucks um, at home in uh, three three of three games in four days. So that's a it's a tough road for the Sixers. They start out, I think, with um, five games in six days. So you know there's one or two off days in between there, but that is a tough road for Philadelphia out of the gate. Um, to play that many games in that many nights. So that's, you know, but I, I still think they're the most balanced. I think they're the most balanced compared to Brooklyn and the, and the, um, and the Bucks right now with the way that they're not only be able to score, but play solid and fundamental defense as well. Um, so that would be my, my thing for Philadelphia. They could certainly beat Brooklyn. I would take them in seven. I wouldn't take them in six, but um, it'd be a fun series for sure. So let's go over to the uh, West side of things. And let's talk about the team that has probably been the hottest team in the West at this point, and that would be the Phoenix Suns. Much like the Celtics, they won their last four games to close out the regular season. They won seven of their last eight. They're eight and two in their last ten. Should we bring up the Suns as being one of the best teams in the West right now? I think we should. I really think we should. You know, they're getting phenomenal, phenomenal play from Devin Booker, who's almost averaging 25 points a game. And Chris Paul has been a huge addition for that offense. He's really helped facilitate things. He's almost averaging nine assists a game, 16 points. Chris Paul was an all-star. You know, he, he's really been solid. DeAndre Ayton's been great. He's averaging almost 15 and 12. Um, Mikal Bridges is averaging almost 14. You know, they're getting great, great scoring out of Saric. Cam Johnson and Crowder off the bench. 
you know, I really like both the depth and the explosiveness of this Suns team. You know, like we've talked about, they've really blown out a lot of their opponents, too, in some of those wins. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the West for years to come with that roster, I think. Yeah, Devin Booker got ejected with 7-10 to go in the third quarter against the Lakers, and the Suns still won the game. Mm-hmm. So being able to beat a team as good as the Lakers without your best player for the second half, it's got to be an encouraging sign for the Suns. And, um, again, like the schedule to bring up at Portland to start um, start back up the season – and Portland's been playing better now too, so that's going to be an interesting game to see the two, um, the two upcoming teams in the uh, in the Western Conference go at each other. Portland won three in a row before they went into the break, um, so that is um, it's encouraging for Phoenix. And knowing that they're only three games behind Utah, and Utah kind of fell apart at the end of the season, that could be an encouraging sign, I think, for um, for for the Phoenix Suns. They could be looking at the best team in the West in the next maybe week and a half or so of the of the season. So. Um, that's fascinating for Phoenix and it's going to be a big game for them on, uh, I believe that's Thursday night against, uh, Portland, um, in Oregon. So it'll be a good game. Um, but let's talk about the other top four teams and that would be Utah and both LA's. What team should we be most concerned about? And I feel like this is a speed round question, but it's fine. Um, out of those three teams, who are we most concerned about, um, going in, finishing up the break, I guess, to put it plainly. It's the Lakers. You know, they've lost seven of their last 10 games. And I still don't believe we know how long Anthony Davis is going to be out for. And, you know, obviously LeBron's having a phenomenal year, but they're just not beating teams. You know, Schroeder's been a good pickup for them and Montrezl Harrell. They're both averaging around 14, 15 a game. Um, But they're not getting great performances out of guys like Alex Caruso. I remember Taylor Horton Tucker had a great preseason. He's he's struggled. Um, Marcus Saul hasn't really been anything special, you know. I'm just not impressed with the Lakers right now, and I really like I I really like Utah and the Clippers rosters right now over them. You know, the Lakers are in trouble until they get Davis back. I think. I was gonna say I I'm not concerned about Utah. I mean, they played the best team in the in the East going into the break. Um, and it took overtime to beat them, uh, or for them to lose, to put it plainly. Um, I would say the I would say the Clippers. You know, they've lost seven of their last ele- final eleven games of the first half, and I would say Utah and Brooklyn were were definite losses for sure because Utah was the best team. Brooklyn has too much firepower, but to lose to Memphis, the Celtics, and then a Wizards team that I think is just all over the place, it's a it's a concerning sign especially with that this team is healthy and they're not beating teams like Memphis or Washington, especially against the Celtics, because I thought that was a game the Sixers were, or excuse me, the Clippers um, had a good chance to win. They had, they had the lead, I believe going into the half. Um, and, you know, it was a back and forth game and then the blowing in the fourth quarter. I think that uh, the Clippers are in a lot of trouble because of, because of how they're playing. And again, they go into the break, you can make adjustments and you can figure it out. But that is, that is not a good look for the Clippers because I don't think that they're playing like they're the best. They are one of the best teams in the Western conference right now um, to lose to the Celtics. And then they get their butts kicked by the wizards the next night um, or the next two nights. It's concerning. And to start at golden state on Thursday in a game that the warriors would really need to win um, 
to kind of establish themselves as getting back into the playoff picture. I'm concerned about the Clippers. I, I'm not concerned about the Lakers because they still have a lot of talent. Utah's still the best team, but LA is, or the LA Clippers are falling off and they need to figure it out before um, it all falls apart and they get, they don't get home court advantage and they have to go fight for their lives in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so let's talk about Portland because I brought them up and I think that they're an interesting story. Um, they have won, they won three in a row. They finished, um, they won six of the last 10 going into the break. Um, should, um, are the Portland Trailblazers a team that could make um, one of those top four teams worry with the way that they're playing right now? You know, I got to say about Portland, they are legit. Um, you know, they've got two legitimate scorers in Damian Lillard and McCollum. I think McCollum's injured right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. But um, once he comes back, look out because that backcourt is explosive. And Damian Lillard's averaging almost 30 points a game. And we saw him show out in the All-Star game. He hit two logo shots, including the game-ending shot from half court almost. It's crazy the range he has. I, st- I still think Damian Lillard's one of the more underappreciated stars in the game. You know, he's, he's a really good shooter. Um, and a lot of people sleep on him in that regards, I think, uh, when they talk about top shooters in the league. You know, I think he's got to be included up there. Gary Trent Jr. has been really good for them. He's kind of been a guy that's broken out. Carmelo Anthony's done a great job. And Ines Kanner's done well, too. Um, I really like the way Portland's playing right now. And I do think that the top four teams have to watch out for them because they could steal a couple games in the playoffs if, you, if you're sleepwalking. One of the impressive things I like about Portland is that they're second in the league in three-point field goal percentage. Um, they're eighth or no, they're eighth in percentage. They're second in field in three points, ma- uh, three pointers made a game with 16. So that's a good positive note for them. The negative note is they're second in the league in turnovers. So they do have some issues to work out, but to start against Phoenix and then have a kind of a, a softer schedule um, to start off the second half of the calendar at Minnesota for two versus New Orleans for two against Dallas at home for two. And then Brooklyn comes in Um you know, Portland could make a serious run. You know, if they get um, the, the guy you mentioned that's living my name right now, um, McCollum. Uh, they get him. Yeah. If they get him back, um, I think that they can make a run if, 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 with the way the Clippers are playing right now. I mean, it's definite because they're, they're certainly a team um, that's in a lot of trouble. Um, so um, before we get to the speed round, um, bring up the team, the bottom, I'd say the bottom, maybe five like Denver, San Antonio, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis. Uh, which one of those teams do you believe in right now after the break? Um, right now, the, the Dallas Mavericks are playing great basketball recently, and they've won eight of their last ten. I th- it's got to be them, I think, for me. You know, they got Luka Doncic, a legit superstar. Porzingis is starting to play well. Josh Richardson's been a great pickup. I really like Brunson as their sixth man off the bench. Tim Hardaway is also averaging over 16 a game. You know, I like I like their offensive depth. You know, they're starting to put it together. They're playing a little bit better defensively, and that's been key in helping them win. Um, they also – I remember they had a big win over the Nets to end their winning streak a couple – or last week. Um, yeah, I, I like the way Dallas has been looking. Watch out for them. Yeah, I, I like Dallas too. I would also bring up, um, you know, with them being hot and playing very solid 
uh, defense. I would probably bring up um, San Antonio. I think they've, they've won six of their last 10. Um, tough loss against Oklahoma City, but I still think that they're an underrated team um, that you don't want to mess with because they, they do show up and play great against good teams. Uh, credit they haven't really, um, aside from the Celtics and the Nuggets earlier in the season, um, they've showed up and beaten them. But I think that they are um, – I think they're coming around. I think they're playing good. I think their their defense is underrated. Um, they've got some playmakers offensively, and, and they could be a team to, to watch out for uh, down the stretch. So um, if, the, if the Spurs catch fire, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to play them because they, they do play well um, against good teams, um, especially on the road. The Spurs have one of the best road records in the NBA, I think. Um, so let's go to the speed round. Um, the team – that could be, or excuse me, the first half MVP of the season in either conference. Joel Embiid for the Sixers has been incredible. Like I said before, he's averaging over 30 a game. I think right now he's got to be the front runner in the East. And then if we're going to look in the West, it's probably LeBron James. He's just having a great year. He's averaging almost 30 a game. And, you know, he's showing that he's, one of the greatest players of all time. He's just continuing mm-hmm. to dominate. I would have said Donovan Mitchell from Utah um, as being one of the best player uh, MVP of the season so far. I would have probably also said Devin Booker um, in the West. That would have been my my second candidate. And then in the East, I would I would probably yeah I would stick with you. I would say Joel Embiid or I would go with Ben Simmons with the way the Sixers have been playing and um, you know the way that they are you know starting to p- feel like and believe not just themselves, but their fans believe that they are one of the best, they're the best team in the conference. Um, being able to beat teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee and the Celtics. Uh, I think they've been playing uh, definitely well. Uh, so definitely bring up those two guys. Uh, the coach of the year at the end of the, of the first half of the regular season. I'm going with my boy Tibbs from the Knicks. Thibodeau has been incredible. He's got this roster that not a lot of people expected much this year. And he's got them as the fifth seed in the East playing the best def- or playing the second best defense in the NBA, averaging the least amount of points per game out of any team. And he's got them playing great team basketball. It's, for me, it's Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks. I would have gone with Thibodeau. I would, is Quinn Snyder a name to bring up with the way that he's turned Utah into a uh, contender oh, for sure. in the West um, to win um, – three quarters of the first half of to win three quarters of your games, excuse me, to win 75% of your first half games um, is an impressive achievement. And the way that they, he has brought in the way that he's developed Donovan Mitchell and Gobert and Bogdanovich, and they've all played great. He's definitely got to be in the consideration. And then I would have also probably, I'm going to stick with Phoenix again and go with Monty Williams um, because that second half of the, of the schedule, the Suns really turned it up. I feel like they, he got Devin Booker going. Um, and they've been playing much more better offensively and a uh, team that they would, I would, I would want to watch out for. Um, the Miami Heat have won seven of their last 10 games. Can the Heat be uh, a, a playoff? Can, make a, can they make a serious playoff run if they get to the playoffs? Yes, they can. You know, ever since Jimmy Butler's can't come back, they've been hot. You know, they, I know they had that terrible start, but. Since since then, they've just been on a roll. Bam Adebayo has played great. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, and Kelly Olenek. All of those guys are averaging double-digit points a game. 
Avery Bradley's been a big pickup for their defense. They're definitely going to be a playoff contender and a team that you don't want to see. I definitely wouldn't want to see the Heat because of the way that they have been playing. Um, most recently, I would throw that game against the Hawks as kind of like a, a setback or, um, you know, just a, a letdown game with the way that they played against Atlanta the, that second game. But I do think with their easy schedule out of the gate, they really don't have to play a really good team until Phoenix comes to town. So I think that they're a team that can definitely make not only get to the playoffs, but make a long playoff run if they if they get um if they get you know, if they get going and can keep their momentum running going into the um in the second half of the season. Um I'm trying to think what other questions I have here. Um which team do you believe in in the uh team that you could think could win the NBA finals at, after the first half of the season? The Utah Jazz. You know, I really love the way they've been playing basketball. You know, the depth, the defense. They got the superstar in Donovan Mitchell. Jordan Clarkson's been incredible. He's averaging almost 18 a game. I really love this Jazz roster. They're just offensively and defensively sound. I know they had a couple rough ones towards the end of the first half, but they're, they're definitely my favorite right now, I think. I'm going to say Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm going to say Brooklyn just because they did with all the star players they have, um, they can probably look unstoppable and get all the way to the playoffs. I'm only saying this because I hope that they're a first round exit, but I, I think that they're the best. I would also throw Phoenix. I, I be, I'm a believer. I think, you know, we had Gannon Hannibal on the, at the beginning of the show. Um, and he was talking about how good the Suns could be. And I think he's right. He's, they've been rolling. They've been playing. They're probably the most dangerous team in the NBA at this point. I just, I would not want to play them right now. Um, okay. And the biggest disappointment in the first half of the season, as we wrap up, the biggest disappointment. Um, for me, the biggest disappointment is going to be, and this might sound crazy, is the Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really thought that that backcourt – of Westbrook and Beal was going to do more. And I'm just disappointed in the way they've looked defensively. Um, you know, I was encouraged last year with the way that Bertans had looked. He really hasn't stepped up. Um, I really – I expected more out of them, not going to lie. And Westbrook and Beal are actually both playing pretty well. But, I mean, obviously Beal's the leading scorer in the league, almost averaging 33 a game. But I just expected more out of them on the win and W column. Yeah. I, I would have said Washington. I would have also said new Orleans, you know, the first month of the season, um, the way that they won three in a row against the heat and the bucks and then the Raptors teams, the playoff teams. Um, I was a believer. I thought Zion was going to have a great season. I thought that they were going to be a, a dark horse team in the West. And since then they have just regressed. They've lost six of their last 10. Um, you know, they've lost to Chicago, a team that I definitely think is beatable. They've, they've lost to um, – so they've lost winnable games. The Washington, Minnesota, a team that is absolutely beatable. Um, they just – they've completely regressed, and I really thought I, – I believed in them at the first month of the season, and since then they are – I don't think they'll make the playoffs. So that, that's a disappointment um, for uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. But it should be – uh, we are looking forward to the second half of the schedule coming up this week. Uh, games start Wednesday. Big night of basketball on Thursday with uh, the both our teams getting back in it. The 
Celtics will visit Brooklyn and the Knicks will head to Milwaukee. That's a big game for the Knicks. I forgot to bring that up. They're playing Milwaukee mm -hmm. on the road. A, a big game for uh, the Knicks right out of the gate against the against the Bucks team that I think is pretty good. With that, uh, that will conclude episode 18 of the Marvel Sports Podcast. For Andrew, I'm David saying so long. We'll see you next week on our next podcast. <laughs>